Please be seated. Well, after a week where the economies of the world have been in turmoil, it is one of those divine and delicious ironies to be confronted with this parable, uh, this economic justice parable of the laborers in the vineyard. I know that some of you are affected quite directly by what's been going on this week, uh, and others less so, but I imagine all of us will be touched in one way or another by the bank failures and stock markets and so on. And I want to come back to the anxiety that seems to be engendered by what our president has called unprecedented circumstance, uh, but to do so by way of thinking about how we learn who we are and maybe that way find the gift and the promise in this one of Jesus' hardest parables. See, we learn a lot about who we are in life and what we like in life in reference to others. We learn over against others who we are and what we like. I, you know, uh, Daddy, please, can I stay up past midnight? All of the other children stay up past midnight every night. Uh, no, that's not what we do in our family. You know, body piercings, tattoos, you name it. Other, everyone apparently is doing it, but we're not doing it. One of the ways we learn about who we are is who we're not. And it's similarly uh, how we learn what we like. You know, I see someone who's attractive and apparently successful and happy and, and, and getting on with life, and suddenly I want a darker suit. You know? or, or, a, or a yellow foulard tie. Or, or, a, or, 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 or a higher salary or something like this. We... we we learn who we are over against others, and it, it serves us somewhat well, but it also gets us to a point where we start setting up distinctions, and those distinctions are often a cause for division and matters of separation in ways that don't serve us very well, and in fact are a source of a great deal of anxiety. I've just come back from meeting with a group of parish pastors. We've been meeting uh, for four years, just over four years now. And uh, we're all certifiable nerds. Uh, but, and the way we knew that is at the very first meeting, we sort of rather timidly confessed to each other that we had all at one time or another taken books of theology to the beach. <laughs> and, and, and this clearly puts us out of the mainstream of normal human existence. But those first meetings were very strange as we kind of checked each other out and sniffed at each other. It's one of the smartest groups of people I've ever been with. Half of them are, are published and they've got doctorates and so on. And you start noticing, well, he's pretty conservative. Don't know about that. Or she's got a lot going on in her life. Or I, I wonder, or what exactly is a Mennonite anyway? You know, um, I just think I remember wondering if I was going to be able to hold my own among this, this crowd. Um, I knew I was having fun, but there was a great deal of anxiety involved as the group sort of shook itself out and everybody staked out their positions and we sort of elbowed. You've joined groups, you know how this works. Pretty soon a couple of people dropped out rather quickly and whatever the reasons were, I wonder if it wasn't they just didn't like the norms that were forming or, or perhaps didn't, didn't take, take too well to, to the anxiety uh, of, as the group formed. And now what a contrast that was to our recent meetings where we have come to know each other and we've come to know each other in a way where there's a genuine affection and caring, and we're different enough that the conversation is worthwhile. 
and that there are real gifts to be shared, and we're not all there sort of sniffing at each other and trying to deal with ourselves and compare ourselves over against each other. And it's a very different way of being as we start being uh, in reference only to God, only to our own formation, only to our own thinking. And then the divisions fall away and the anxiety falls away and there are all sorts of gifts to be had. Now, I wonder if Jesus' parable of the kingdom doesn't hold out the same kind of promise for us, the promise of being able to relax in who we are, the promise of being able to be free from anxiety, the promise of knowing ourselves loved, the promise of gifts that transcend all those distinctions and boundaries that we set up that lead us in one way or another to live in fear. But if we're going to be able to hear the promise, we've got to acknowledge something. And that is that many, if not most of us, do very well in this world. And we do very well uh, to have means. And our contribu contributions tend to be valued. And we've been able to advance and thrive. We've been able to provide rich experiences for our children. And we've been able to offer hospitality to others and support the church. And all that comes from working hard and doing what we're supposed to do and being well remunerated. And so this parable is offensive. I mean, it's really difficult to think that you've sweated all day by the sweat of your brow and someone else is breezing in at the last minute and, and uh, probably because they got up late and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and get paid the same thing. It's not all right, you know. It really, it really isn't. And yet, and yet, why do I feel as though I'm getting a raw deal if I work all day and get only what is coming to me? Why does that seem unfair? Why do I feel as though I'm somehow being devalued? Is it possible that I only feel that way because I'm comparing myself to others? If I didn't know that the others were getting more, would I have the problem? When I find myself like those people who worked all day, I think I'm allowing my value and identity in this world to be governed by how I'm doing in relation to others. And as we know, however necessary it is for our development that we compare and contrast ourselves with others, there is a sense in which putting Christ first or putting on Christ or living into the promises of the gospel or growing in faith, that all of those things mean finding our desires reordered and finding ourselves, uh, our identity increasingly dependent solely on God and on God's grace. This is what we're going to mark at our funerals if we have our funerals in the church. You know that traditionally there was no homily or eulogy in the funerals. The only status that mattered at an Episcopal funeral was that we were baptized. We were children of God, forgiven, loved, and free, and that was our identity, and that's what mattered. And I wonder if growing in faith isn't growing to the point where we don't have to be referring ourselves and comparing ourselves over against others. Isn't that the path of spiritual maturity and the gifts finding ourselves freed from anxiety, freed to trust God, still competent, still able to give our best efforts, still able to be generous, still able to be as effective as we like in the world, but free to trust like the wanderers in the wilderness who were fed with bread and quail in abundance, even when things seem really bad. 
So as we can live without reference to others for our identity and for our value, then that opens the possibility of real love, of real relationship that transcends the barriers we construct and the resentments we create by our distinctions. And we can be more like that group that's matured and less like that group at the beginning, more free, more generous, more able to claim the promises. So the turmoil of the financial services industry and its effect on the stock market make a serious and immediate difference in the lives of those who lose their jobs. They'll need to regroup. They'll probably need help and support while they do it. Others know disappointments as deals that have been long nurtured and fall through and investment dries up and credit gets tight and, and the world is changing. It's a roller coaster and those are real challenges but perhaps we can meet them a little more freely if we're not forever comparing ourselves to others. None of us need to fall prey to that generalized anxiety that comes when life seems to be unfair. We have a choice, and that is to consider wherein our lies our true worth and our true value, and to remember that as we are loved by a trustworthy God so we can face anything. Isn't that the import of this parable of the kingdom. The owner of the vineyard asks, are you envious because I am generous? Are you envious because you're comparing yourselves with others rather than looking at the generosity we have received? We only miss the generosity bestowed upon us when we are living with one eye on the other. That's the path of misery. The alternative is to keep our eyes on God and God's grace in our lives. That's the path of the kingdom. That's the path of freedom. Let us respond to the gospel in our customary time of silence, recognizing that we are blessed without reference to others. Let us pray.